This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Here's the thing about Charleston women, the true blue bloods. They're not dramatic. They do not scream or sob or faint. They do not cry tears of joy when their children marry. And they don't squawk like chickens over gossip about a friend's divorce. They don't fall to pieces in public at a funeral. They act with decorum. They respond politely. They do not draw attention to themselves. Instead, they focus on the moment, the marriage, or maybe news of an accident. And members of the tribe, these women, read themselves as support troops to celebrate the wins and to collect the fragments of loss to help put a member's life back together. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to author Gervais Haggerty, about her debut novel, In Polite Company. In this sweet story, a young, properly bred member of Charleston's elite begins to question the life to which she was born. She's not sure if she accepts the hierarchy that allowed her family to belong to the ruling class. She isn't sure if she still wants to marry the perfect man she thought she loved. And she's not even sure about staying in Charleston, no matter how easy and perfect a life she could have there. Simmons Smythe needs to quickly figure out what matters to her. Her grandmother's death spurs her into making some difficult decisions. Hi, Gervais. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So how much do you have in common with Simmons Smith, your protagonist, who also grew up in Charleston? Well, quite a lot, I would say. It, it is a coming-of-age novel, and I am not Simmons. Simmons is not me. But her experiences, the feelings, that, that is um, really helped me define that character. And I'm from Charleston, and I've had a lovely, lovely childhood here, and I'm, I'm back, and I'm um, as an adult here, and I absolutely love it and enjoy it. But um, those those times certainly really affected how I created this character. Mm, how did you come to write this novel? It all began with my grandmother. My grandmother and I got really close when I moved back to Charleston in about 2008, 2009. And I was working, I was single at the time, and I was volunteering at Big Brothers Big Sisters, which was really great. But I, my grandmother was turning 80, 80 82, 83. 
And I thought, you know, I really want to spend what free time I have with her. I want to put that time with my grandmother. And we got really close. And then she, um, in about 2016, 17 is when she was in hospice. And that is when I started writing this book. It was very cathartic. I, I really missed her. I really loved her. And it got me thinking about who is this woman? Who was this woman? How much was she shaped by the time? And how much was she shaped by the culture, especially in Charleston? And it began again as a catharsis. Um, but it's also like a fun book. I don't want to say that it's not a fun, a fun book, but it really, um, that is how it began. Mm. Will you elaborate on the title in Polite Company and how it applies to Charleston? Absolutely. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. <laughs> So the title came originally as Zinnias, and that is a theme in the novel. And I, when I sent it to my editor um, before she purchased it, that was the original idea. She said, but, you know, people Google that. It's just going to seem like a gardening book. So we went through a ton of other ideas. And this one, I'm pretty proud of it. I think it really sums up the book in that Charleston is a very polite town, and it's lovely for that. People smile at each other. People greet each other. Um, I love that about this town. I've lived away in other areas and countries and states, and people aren't nearly as warm. But just because you're polite doesn't mean that you always have sort of this inner generosity, or there might be um, ways of your behavior that not necessarily reflect uh, a true welcoming. Like surface manners or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which do have a value, I would say. They really mm-hmm. do. I mean, as a Southerner, I would say that I do appreciate that. But I do think it also is important, you know, just to think about what, what really, how really do we open up to others? Mm. Can you say more about the geography of Charleston? You speak about the beautiful beaches, the island, the way the town is set up, etc. Charleston is a peninsula. It is on the coast of South Carolina, and downtown is historic, gorgeous. There are a lot of influences from Europe, also Bermuda, beautifully colored houses, lots of pastels. We have palmetto trees and oak trees, and then over the bridges are beaches. If you go uh, slightly north, you're on Sullivan's Island or Isle of Palms where the shipping channel is. So there's not a lot of waves because there are the jetties out there, which calm the waters. And I grew up surfing off of Folly Beach, which is just south of the city. And that's where all the waves are. We've got beautiful marshland, swampy areas. It's it's really quite a special place. Your character, your protagonist thinks so, too. I noticed. Yes, she does. (laughs) Although In Polite Company is clearly a work of fiction, did any of your friends or relatives see themselves in this story? And if so, how did you handle that? Oh my gosh, yes. Everybody thinks they are a character. And I am on the verge of this book coming out. And that does make me nervous. I have a launch party that a lot of people will attend who are from the city. And we've just been here for generations. My dad thought the main character was him, but my dad is just this nutty artist guy. And the Simmons' father is not a nutty artist guy. And Mm -mm. so I've definitely um, had that. My younger sister wondered if the youngest sister is is her, but it's not. There, There are these fun amalgamations. I read once that writers are magpies and we just sort of 
take little things here and there and then create the characters. And that's definitely what it is. And sometimes Martha, the best friend, is a character who I've really enjoyed writing because she's a bit my alter ego. She says what she thinks. She's she's a little brash. She sleeps around when she wants to and doesn't answer to anybody and um, doesn't really feel threatened by trying to hold the family together. She just kind of thinks independently. So that's that's kind of how my characters are kind of everybody and then also nobody. Mm-hmm. Wait, since we're talking about Martha, she doesn't seem to fit into the same society as Simmons. Was it permissible in that world, in Simmons' world, to make friends who were different in that way? And also, were were there differences in the society that were less acceptable than those Martha? Um, so, I mean, growing up, I kind of hung out with the, I was always hanging out with the, the punks and the freaks. I guess that's just the groups that I've always been interested in. And Within like the downtown Charleston society, I mean, they're wonderful people and, you know, it's part of my family and there are plenty of like well-educated, interesting, open-armed, big-hearted people. But it generally, it does seem just a more traditional Southern, these, these characters that are in our town who are real people. It's, it's, they're not necessarily running off to New York and shaving their head or something. You know, it's, it's, it's a pretty uh, homogenous group a lot of the times. Mm. Is it true that Charlestonians rarely re- relocate? You, you write it in the book. Yeah, so we don't. We don't move anywhere. <laughs> but what's interesting to me, I lived, I lived in San Diego for a while after college, and I remember meeting somebody from San Diego, and I said, oh, I've never met anybody actually from here. And then I moved back to Charleston and I'm meeting new people and they hear that I'm from here and they say, wow, I've never met anybody actually from Charleston. It's interesting Mm. because our town is really changing and it's great. There are a lot of new ideas. I also have a lot of strong feelings about the development and we could be doing a much better job of it. But I am grateful for these new people, but they also don't know the old Charleston. They don't know what actually really is still happening, um, kind of the power structure still at play. And I, we advertise this book as a peek behind the veil of Charleston aristocracy. And I think it would be a really interesting book for the people who travel here and the people who move here. Mm, I think so too. It makes me want to come by. I've oh, never you been. Should. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the place where um, both Simmons and you surf. Oh, yeah. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, probably it's a great spot. <laughs> but if nobody ever leaves, where do people's kids, when they grow up, where do they move? We moved to the outskirts. So I grew up downtown, and now I'm about two miles north of the downtown area. I'm near the Citadel at the college where I used to teach, and farther out in Mount Pleasant, farther out. But generally, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of my friends return because – a, most people tend to return to where their families are, and B, Charleston's gorgeous, and it's just an interesting, beautiful place to be, and I, 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 I love being here on the water. I'll meet you for coffee on Tuesday. Absolutely. Let's talk about Simmons' relationship with her mother and father. Simmons represents newer ideas. Um, in Charleston and her parents represent the bit of the old guard and her parents are lovely people. 
they're nice. They, um, they love their children. They've, they paid for her education. They do all sorts of, um, you know, just lovely parent things. They've just created this very stable life. Um, but, but Simmons wants something a little different. And so she feels a bit like a black sheep. She's a black sheep. It's a fish out of water story in that sense. And so that's how that relationship can be strained because when she is engaged to this great man, they don't understand like, what, what more do you want? And it is a tough question. Like you have everything you need here. You have family, you have, you have stability, you have a job, you have, you know, we've just given you all this. How can you say no to that? And that's a legitimate question. Hmm. You talk about um, growing up, well, Simmons growing up and uh, going to this cotillion that was expected of everybody. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping you'll say some, a little more about that, but then you just pointed out that when you yourself were growing up, you were part of a completely different crowd. Um, Did they all, did you all still go to cotillion, even though you were hippies? I did. I went, I went to cotillion and I was also a debutante. Okay. You got to explain that a little bit more. (laughs) So when you're in fourth grade, you actually, in utero, depending on if they can find out the sex of the child, you are assigned a partner. And so by fourth grade, when you're 10, you start going to cotillion and there are 50 boys and 50 girls and you learn the foxtrot and the waltz and the cha-cha and the lindy hop. The lindy hop is closest to the shag and it's great. And I'm really glad I went there because I love dancing the lindy hop. And yeah, so, so a lot of us learned how to do that. And then I went to high school. I mean, I still went to the prep school. No one's going to think me of like a radical person. I thought I was pretty radical because I wore eyeliner and said cuss words, maybe smoked a few <laughs> cigarettes, you know, I was hardly some crazy daredevil, but, totally um, wild. <laughs> but I think, yeah, totally wild. But I, you know, I also realized that I have this immense privilege of having access to this world that unless you're born into it, you wouldn't have. And then when I was in college, um, my parents, you know, offered me to do be a debutante. And I remember thinking, what? Like, that sounds like a lot of money. Maybe they could just buy me a car instead. And they're like, we're not buying you a car. And I said, well, let's do the parties. And so the parties are, it's really cool. They, it's this part of Charleston society where they welcome the young women to originally it was to like meet the bachelors, but now all the women who are coming out is the term they're all in college. They've all got, you know, a lot of them end up being doctors and attorneys and they're all meeting their boyfriends on, you know, one of the apps, dating apps or something. So there's still like a very modern group, the younger group, but you wear a wedding gown and gloves that cover your elbows and you go to this fancy dinner. And it's, it really is a beautiful series of parties and balls. It's, it's been a privilege. In the book, you talk, Simmons talks about everybody's white, everybody's Episcopalian, everybody comes from the same background. So, so this this situation seems to be just the first specific group. But when you were growing up, you Gervais, uh-huh. was it open to everybody? So that's the question that I'm asking right now, and frankly, it makes me nervous because of the traditions that are in place. The same families get to do the same things, and so it's still pretty homogenous. 
And mm. I do wonder, like, for all this privilege, it's not like someone's out there saying, no, you can't come inside. But I, I don't, I don't have the answer of how to, to welcome new people. I don't even have the vision of what the next step is. The best I can come up with is to write this novel and probably make some people feel a little uncomfortable, hopefully engage in some conversation and just really think about what we're doing as a society. That is if they see that you're poking fun at them and not trying to overthrow the government. Let's just let me know how that goes. Once yeah, the book I know. Out. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky. And I'm going to be at this event and it's going to be really lovely. And I hope that um, the book comes across as, right, a love letter to my city. I And um, and just a not too much of a critical eye, but, but something that I just hope we have a little bit more uh, self-reflection. I didn't see you as having a critical eye, but you really did put your finger on a lot of the problems and you very gently uh, talked about how people smooth everything over, how they deal with issues. Like one doesn't speak of such things Mm -hmm. at certain times. I loved Simmons's grandmother, Claudia, Mm -hmm. especially when they bonded over gardening Mm -hmm. and you, you talked, you had talked about the the book might've been called Zinnia's. Mm -hmm. I, I loved that part. And I'm wondering if you can explain why that flower wasn't considered appropriate for a Charleston garden. So I, I took some liberties there with that. But generally, you know, a Charleston garden would be just a formal English garden with heirloom roses and boxwoods. And there's just something about zinnias to me that are just a little radical, spunky, I guess a little bit like the teenager I thought I was. And so I did take some liberties saying that, but I, but generally in the formal gardens that are south of Broad, which Pat Conroy has written about, you, you, you definitely see something a little bit closer to an English garden. Mm-hmm. Um, you also spoke about the elite club that Simmons father and grandfather belonged to. This is something different. Sometimes cotillions or debuts take place or, or, or parties take place there, but the whole setup and who gets to belong, you wrote that it only accepts, I quote, white male, mostly Protestant, definitely Christian, and as far as Simmons can gather, straight. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have a website, end quote. Mm-hmm. Can you say more about the club and how you came up with that idea? Well, there are clubs here like that, um, clubs that my family has belonged to. And I don't want to just skewer Charleston. I want to say that they're everywhere. And I think it's clubs are interesting to me because, you know, a sorority says no men. So is that okay? Um, I'm, I'm trying to look at it in a different way, but, it, but there are definitely clubs here that are very much like what that quote you just read. And it does make me feel uncomfortable. And I often do not go to events at those clubs. For, for mm-hmm. that You're right. They're everywhere. There's they're always going to be clubs. And the thing is, I don't think the people who go there, they are trying to be racist or homophobic or anything like that. I don't, I don't think it's intentional, 
I just don't think there's a lot of self-reflection. Like, what does this do? And everybody who is from Charleston, pretty much all the people, the characters are presented in the book, they love this town. But I think really to help move this town forward, it's going to require more inclusivity. And I don't think the people who have moved to Charleston realize that they're outside. Mm -hmm. You talk a lot about that, insiders and outsiders, Mm -hmm. newcomers, people who have been there for generations. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, you're right. People maybe might not notice that they're not invited to the cotillions or the names of the things that I don't Mm -hmm. know. (laughs) But but that happens in lots of places. It does. A lot of insider, outsider, Mm -hmm. especially when it's it's like a tourist, uh, tourist town too, in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And what are people coming to Charleston to see? I, they want to see downtown and the beaches. There's a lot of history here, a beautiful old homes, people visit plantations And then with the influx of these newcomers, it's really become like a foodie restaurant town. So people, people like to do that. Lots of bachelorette parties everywhere. Simmons talks about them all the time. (laughs) It's a thing. It's just, I heard my husband and I, we went out for a drink the other night on, on King street, the main drag. And we took the over under bed on how many herds of bachelorettes you'll see because they wear the sashes and I mean it's cute (laughs) it's just it's very popular well well now you bring up King Street but I thought that that was sort of an under class sort of place where the where Martha went or where uh, Simmons went to get away from the real you know her crowd yeah well I mean King Street is a very commercial district and so you and especially as Charleston has developed as you go north. King Street is along the spine of the peninsula. And as you head north up the spine, that development has happened. And it's a totally different place. I mean, back when I was a kid, you did not go north of Calhoun Street, which by the way, that street, the statue of Calhoun has since been removed. I mean, there's just like, it is changing a lot here. And it's really interesting to have a book come out amidst a lot of this change. And um, I hope hope to um, be proud to be a part of that in a little way. Um, why didn't people go above Calhoun Street? It just it was wasn't just not, done. It just didn't. It just wasn't as safe. Um, there just wasn't that much going on when I was growing uh, up there. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there yeah. was nowhere to go in terms of clubs or restaurants. Right. 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 It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, as a, as a as a like twenty something, you're going to go to bars no matter where you're from. So you're just going to yeah, we would all go. Simmons definitely has a lot to say about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know? And um, Simmons, not me. <laughs> right. But I will, as I said at the very beginning, uh, before we started, that I did think of it, of this book as a love letter mm-hmm. to Charleston. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in love letters, you point out flaws, too, yeah. but in a very gentle, sweet, loving way. I hope so. So your your debut novel is about to come out any day now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you have a lot of stuff to do, obviously. But I'm wondering, what are you working on next? Is there another novel in your future? There is. I am working hard on this next novel. I started it during COVID and I thought it was pretty great because I would dash away to my sister's house. Um, someone come here and watch my kids for two and a half hours. And then I was hopped up on coffee 
and I didn't have much time anyway. And I sent it to my editor and she did not love it. <laughs> so I, so I wiped it away. I started again and she's, she says she's very pleased with this new draft. So we'll see. I hope, I hope she buys it soon. That's where I am. Okay. Much luck to you. And I hope, um, everyone in Charleston reads this and starts talking about it and well, all the cotillions and debuts. I am just so grateful for the time to speak with you today. And I hope that um, the people in Charleston and the people in your neck of the woods also take a look. Thank you for joining me. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking with author Gervais Haggerty about her debut novel, In Polite Company. Hope you're all able to lose yourself in a good book today and tomorrow, too. Happy reading.